Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Adrian Guest, along with my co-host, Devin Dito. Um, we wanted to do kind of like a little hybrid of an episode today for you. Um, Devin and I, we both have watched Chappelle's new Netflix special, The Closer. And since we did an e- earlier episode in this season about cancel culture and comedy in general, um, we wanted to kind of do something on that and kind of talk about that because that's a really interesting conversation. Uh, before we uh, talk any further, let's kind of you know give you our take on the special, The Closer. And, you know, Devin... You know, whenever I listened to it or, or watched it, rather, I laughed a lot. I will, I will, you know, start off by saying I laughed a lot. You know, Careful I, now. I, you know, I LOL if if, if if you want to talk like in acronyms. And it wasn't, you know, there were moments I can say that I cringed. You know, there were like some jokes that that didn't, you know, resonate with me as well. Um, but overall, I mean, I laughed. I mean, it was, it was. You know, I, I I get how some people could have been really, really offended by it. You know, if you listen to certain jokes and if you held on the, the to that, you know, joke throughout the entire special, you maybe would have hated it. But if you would have just heard that and cringed like I did and then moved on and heard the next story and laughed at that and heard the next story and laughed at that. I mean, I think overall there was some really good. I mean, there was some really good laughter to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, from a, a comedic standpoint, from my point of view, I thought it was very funny. Uh, I love Dave Chappelle, and I've always liked his stand-ups. I liked his previous stand-ups, and I thought this one was no different. Of course, there's going to be controversy because of the subjects that he hit. Some of them are very... T- I mean, there are some jokes in the very beginning of it. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, you know, like you say, it was cringe. <laughs> I still laughed at them, but they were, um, you know... I was like, oh, okay, we're going there. But it's Dave Chappelle. You know, that's what he does. He pushes the envelope. And I thought overall, yes, it was funny. Of course, he talked openly about, um, you know, his thoughts on the on the LGBTQ community, in, namely talking about, um, you know, he, he named the women's movement. He talks a lot about transgender people and, you know, what he thought about that. And he, you know, says some things about, um, you know, gender being a fact. And that every person born on the earth had to come from a woman. Um, and, and yes, those are facts. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, you can't argue with that. Yes, we all were born from a woman. So you can't, I mean, it is a fact literally in what he's saying, but I think we have to take a step back. And, and I thought he made some good points as far as saying that, you know, I don't think me personally, I'm not going to call Dave Chappelle transphobic. You know, I I don't think that's what mm-hmm. he is. I think he doesn't just he doesn't always agree with them. But does that make someone transphobic by default just because you don't agree with the entire movement, or you may believe that gender is man and woman? Like there, we have to the the rush to judgment. I think has to slow down at least a little bit to give room for him to be a comic, but also to be a person who has their own thoughts. And we cannot just label someone. Oh, op- you know. Just say, oh, you're transphobic because you don't believe in it. I mean, he talked about the bathroom bill in, in in North Carolina and how that was a bad thing. He didn't support that, and he explained why. He made a joke out of it, but he he explained why he didn't support that. So it's like, but they're calling him transphobic. So <laughs> I, I laughed throughout the entire thing, but I, <laughs> I under I guess I understand. People no, 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 no. I, I don't think anyone's wrong for laughing throughout the entire thing because it was it was funny. It was really good moments. And I mean, I get where the, where it's it's separate issues. You know, there's you know, he talked about like, you know, feminism and womenist issues, you mm-hmm. know, gay issues, that's different issues, you know, transgender, that's that's a, a another that's a whole nother movement. That's a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and, and to me, they're definitely, they're separated in my mind uh, for sure. And it's going to take a, a lot of education on trans, on what transgender is and how that is. I mean, I feel like there's going to have to be some sort of um, scientific research, a lot of documentary uh, research, um, maybe some sort of uh, neuro uh, based research where people go through, you know, 
decades to, to see what it is to actually be transgender. And then somebody puts out some medical you know, reports about it for people to start to understand. Cause honestly, I mean, even though I'm, you know, in the community supporter, it's still a complicated subject that I don't fully understand as far as where they fit into certain things as far as, you know, bathrooms, you know, sports. I mean, there's a lot of different things mm-hmm. we've got to figure out how that works because when you do try to mesh everything together, um, people are going to be mad. And, and, and honestly, it's one of those things to where you've got to realize the government is about creating situations about equality, but everybody's, you know, has got to, you know, stomach that equality. Um, and right now that's a tough pill to swallow for people to say that, you know, you know, everybody has an opportunity for freedoms. And then if you've got some people, you don't know anything about saying, well, I have a freedom to do this, you know, how do we go further. But, um, like I said, you know, listeners, you know, feel free to let us know your thoughts around it. Um, I, I, like I said, I laughed through it a lot. There were certain moments where I, I cringed at. Um, but to talk about some of the comments that people had, um, one comment was, uh, from, uh, Glad, G-L-A-A-D. I'm not sure what that acronym stands for, but they said Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing, with ridiculing trans people and other marginalized communities. Negative reviews and reviewers loudly condemning his latest special is a message to the industry that audience should, audiences don't support platforming anti-LGBTQ uh, diatribes, uh, and we agree. Um, you know, Devin, yes, he had a lot of stories that, that you know, I mean, talking about beating a lesbian girl, you know, lesbian uh, woman, you know, talking about, <laughs> there were a couple of stories that were just like, yeah, it seemed like he was, you know, n- not talking about the, the, the community in the best of lens, lenses, but... I don't feel like the whole thing was about, you know, you know, just really just punching down as a, as a, as somebody said, you know, the whole community. I mean, I think, yeah, he used a lot of moments because it was probably topical, but I mean, I think even in the end when he kind of, you know, rounded it all up, I mean, he, he, he talked a lot about the empathy and things like that, but how empathy has got to go both ways. Um, so, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I get where this comment is coming from, but I don't know if I fully support. I don't think he's just ripping down um, communities and things like that. No, I, I wouldn't agree with that characterization. I, I feel like you have to go very far to get that out of watching the closer. Uh, does he talk like you say? Yes, he talks about be, you know fighting the lesbian woman. Um, you know, he, like I say, he had the bit about the bathroom bill in North Carolina. He talks about being, you know, talking with this lady at a bar in Ohio and she pulls out a picture of her daughter and her, he, he said, you know, very beautiful woman and her face changed, but it was actually the woman in the picture was her daughter. Who's, who's a trans woman. Well, there's no way for him to know that, but he just talked about that moment. And then that a daughter actually confronted him at a, at a restaurant in Ohio and, and talked to him, you know, kind of went off on him. and was saying my people, my people. And he thought that was kind of interesting that she was, you know, saying it like that. I mean, it's, I don't think he's punching down on them. I think people, I feel like are we just at a point where nobody can make jokes about trans people or gay people or anybody for that matter. Um, I, I feel like that's what we're trying to get to. Like if he says anything that's remotely teasing or joking or anything like that, it's just like, whoa, you know, he's transphobic. You're, you're just talking all about, no, very, he talked about a lot of different things outside of uh, LGBTQ people in his special, if you watched it. Um, So I just don't support that, that sort of characterization of it. Um, I mean, but you know, it's not going to stop people. I mean, he definitely talked a good bit. I mean, throughout, I mean, he definitely circled back, but there were a lot of other points of it. And, you know, I guess it it, it kind of leads to the point of if we're looking uh, to Dave Chappelle to be, you know, a leader uh, or an influencer. And I mean, to a certain degree, I guess you could say all successful or wealthy, uh, famous people 
uh, within the black community can be looked at as an influencer. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, another executive producer, Jacqueline Moore, uh, she's executive producer of Dear White People on Netflix, says she's not going to work with Netflix uh, because they continue to put out and profit from blatantly and dangerously transphobic content. Um, I don't know if it's a situation where I don't know if you'll see more copycat people or people that are going to start going out into the public and uh, attacking uh, uh, transgender uh, citizens. I, I don't I don't he didn't endorse anything like that. I mean, he just kind of talks in some jokes. So I don't know if I mean, you may see more comedians start talking, you know, telling, you know, more jokes about the trans, you know, transgender community. I don't know. You may see more people in general doing jokes about the LGBTQ community, but, you know, to one person's point, if you do censor these kinds of things, then maybe somebody could write and say, you should censor dear white people uh, because it's, you know, making, you know, well, you know, you. not putting white people in the best lens. Uh, I mean, it's because right now we're, you know, the black community is in a is in a movement where we're trying to really showcase what white Americans did in the grand scheme of things. So somebody could easily just come out and say, well, that offends me. And I don't want you to you know, be talking about that. Or, I mean, it's just it's just hard whenever you say that you can't you know, put out stuff that you don't like, then somebody else can say, well, I don't like that. I mean, that's that's where we are. You know, that's why I was saying it's like we you may as well just not joke about anybody. And I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, we have to remember Dave Chappelle is a comedian. That's his job is to make people laugh. And if he chooses to talk, to make fun of, you know, transgender people, that's his prerogative because he's a comedian. He, it's not mean spirited. It's not meant to you know, tell other, you know, tell people in the audience, you shouldn't like trans people because X, Y, and Z. That's not what he's saying. And he's never said that. And he's done a few specials with Netflix talking about that community. And I don't, at least from my point of view, I have not seen some sort of huge uptick in the number of comedians making jokes about, you know, the transgender community. So it's like, we've, we've been down this road before and everybody says, oh, this is going to be a precursor to you know, more blatantly and dangerously transphobic content, like the executive producer of their white people said, and it's just not happened. It hasn't happened, at least in the comedic world. We have not seen that happen. I think they're just using it. It's just they're comedians. They're going to use it for material just like they, and he talked about it in his special. He talks about white people all the time. He, Blatantly talks about white people and the things that they do. Every he said comedian that, that was his main that. problem. He's, he went back and said, not to cut you off, but he did go back in there and say that if you listen to his stuff, his his problem is always with white people. I mean, I don't yeah. know if that was a joke, but <laughs> that's what he said. And nobody's upset. Nobody's calling him <laughs> racist, saying he's punching down on white people. Nobody's saying that, but it's the community, the transgender community that's upset. And he actually did try to make a distinction. Uh, he told some story about, you know, the police being called on him at a at a bar by a transgender. I think it was a transgender man. And he said, you know, they're they're a minority. The transgender community is a minority up until they need to be white again. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty powerful point that he was trying to make there of like they do have this duality where they are part of a minority, but they also are still white. And they will exercise that when needed, you know, because you're calling the police on a black man. Like, you understand what that means. We all know what that means. When you call the police on one of us, we get a different reaction when the cops get there. And they understand that, too. So it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, they may be LGBTQ, part of that community, but they can also still be racist was one of the things he said, too. So he was trying to make some other points in there as well. I agree. I mean, it's just like even, you know, you can be black and still be racist. I mean, there's there's definitely yeah. you know minorities who can be prejudicial and discriminatory against other minorities. And and yeah, I agree with I agree with all of that. It's I mean, to what do context you look at it, you know, this one activist says, you know, words have consequences and people with platforms like Mr. Chappelle uh, have a high responsibility to be aware of that and to recognize that what they say leads to actions by others. You know, 
again, I, I, I get the first part of what he's talking about, that people with platforms have high responsibility. Mm-hmm. I don't you know, think that what you know Chappelle said is going to cause a lot of actions out of others. I just, I mean, you know, like Devin said, you're not seeing a lot of comedians doing that. I, I haven't seen a lot of reportings in, you know, on, you know, CNN or MSNBC because they would report if more transgender uh, people were getting attacked or getting ridiculed in the media because they eat up stories like that, especially CNN. Don Lemon would probably, you know, e- eat that story up real good. Um, but we don't see any of those things. So I don't I don't think that these actions are going to cause more people to do anything. But I, I will say to the activist point you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, does have a high responsibility to, you know, put, use his platform for certain things. But at that same tone, you can't tell people what they have to support. <laughs> you know, you you can say that I would like you to support, you know, you know, a higher minimum wage or, you know, education or the LGBTQ community in this you know case, but it is ultimately up to that person. I mean, you, you want them to do that, but, you know, it's their right to not support something. So I don't think that, you know, Ch- Chappelle should be canceled. Even if he does support the baby, even if he does support J.K. Rowling. Um, I mean, one comment he said was really about whenever you're canceling people, you're taking their livelihood away. Um, and I mean, I get that. I mean, it's I think people should be able just like, you know, in religion, people should be able to repent and have atonement and, you know, say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that, you know, this was going to be taken too literal. Let me amend myself and not do that anymore or something. Right. I think we have to get away from, you know, this. I don't particularly get on with the cancel culture thing. I understand making and holding people accountable for things that they say and actions that they do. But despite what you think of people, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Not a single one of us is perfect. And I just think we are setting a standard that is just unachievable where we are expecting people, comedians, politicians, athletes, entertainers to live these perfect lives without having ever said anything terrible or offhanded or offensive in their entire life. That is the standard we're setting And that's a standard that even the LGBTQ community couldn't live up to if we really dug through everybody's Twitter accounts and Facebooks and say, what are some of the things that you said throughout your life? Let's go examine that. And if we did that and there were things that came up, they would want some grace. They would want some flexibility to say, you know what? I didn't understand it back then. I didn't understand what that meant. And I'm sorry I said that. But they are not giving that same sort of, you know, flexibility and benefit of the doubt now and so they're trying to you know and and one thing that bothers me too just with everything that's happening is like if you're not an open ally of the movement then you're somehow against it <laughs> you know we have to get out of that mindset too like every we should know as black people <laughs> everybody's not going to be your ally even the ones who say they will be your ally end up not being anything or helping any if it be a detriment to the movement so we have to stop you know, forcing people to believe, you know, your version of events or believing everything that you say in your movement, just because they don't necessarily come out publicly and say, I support, you know, this and this and that doesn't mean that they're now against you necessarily. They just, they just aren't with your movement at the moment. And that's, and that's okay. That's part of the work. We should, we know that as black people, it takes a lot of work to change minds. It does. Um, I think the, like I said, when you look at the gay movement, I think that it's doing well. He, like Dave Chappelle talked about it. He was like, if black people could have stole whatever the gay you know, <laughs> movement is yeah. doing, you know, we would have gotten a lot further, but the transgender movement is a totally separate thing that it's going to take a lot of time. I feel like for people to know and understand it. And after you, they know and understand it, it's going to take even more time for them to become even tolerant or acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to take some time and um, they'll get there. Um, I, I, I believe they'll get there. Um, 
it's just going to take time with, with every minority group. It just, I mean, we're still, you know, working to get to the promised land, uh, <laughs> Latino community still working Asian. I mean, it's, we're all working there. Native Americans, we're all in it together. So uh, what we're going to do listeners, we're going to give you a break here because we've been talking a little bit about Chappelle, but we wanted to kind of go back in our earlier uh, earlier part of this season and recap some thoughts from an expert because we always like to talk about, you know, talk to some experts. So we have a comedian, Josh Johnson, stand-up comic and Emmy-nominated writer at The Daily Show, who's our comedic expert on cancel culture. He actually did an interview with us, if you remember. So we wanted to play a, a segment within his interview to kind of go back and refresh your memory from someone who's doing this. So uh, we're going to give you a break and then stick with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda podcast. We appreciate your support and we ask that you like, share and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, IG and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. So we are continuing our conversation with Mr. Josh Johnson. So we had a a very, very good first segment. So uh, Josh, this segment really here is about the reason we asked you, you know, to come on the show, which is to tell us about, you know, your your thoughts on cancel culture. Uh, You know, is it real? Is it not real? And is it really having an impact on how, you know, comedians um, approach the comedy game now. So, um, the, and, and this question here specifically is about two of, two of the biggest stars in comedy, Kevin Hart, Cat Williams, who recently gave, you know, their thoughts on cancel culture and they're kind of really in opposite positions. Uh, you know, Cat Williams kind of says, you know, there's, there is no cancel culture. You know, he says cancellation doesn't have its own culture. Um, Kevin Hart, on the other hand, you know, says that when do we get to the point where we expected people to be perfect, you know, all the time. And so he, and we know he's had obvious issues with folks trying to cancel him or criticize him for jokes that he's made in the past. Um, And so we just kind of wanted to get your take on like, where do you fall as far as the discussion of cancel culture? Do you think it is harder, you know, for comedians and and even writers to be them true selves on stage, Um, you know, now because of this fear of you, you know, being criticized and quote unquote canceled? Um, I mean, okay. So up, up top, I would ask, I, I know you're not supposed to answer a question with a question, but, um, <laughs> I do for the sake of defining terms for the conversation, I do want to get a sense of what you both think, how you define canceled, because I think it'll shape how the conversation goes so that we're not talking about like two or three different things. No, I mean, that's, that's a great Great question. Um, at least for me, I kind of think of it as as far as what happened to Kevin Hart. So, mm-hmm. you know, people were going back, looking at his old stand up specials about where he made jokes about um, like his son being gay. And he was like, no, stop that. That's gay. And they went back and, and pulled those clips and he had apologized for making those jokes. But even, you know, we all know when he had gotten tapped to be host of the Oscars, people were still pulling those same jokes and saying, no, you can't, he shouldn't be able to host it because he's homophobic because of the jokes that he made in the past. And so essentially canceling him and not allowing him to host things or, you know, touch certain topics. You know, I I see it as like certain topics are now off limits because it offends certain people, I guess. And so it's like, there are, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, no, you, kinda... you it is making sense. And then uh, what do you think, Adrian? Um, I would say mine is kind of in that line to where, you know, you can even look at it to like, I'm trying to remember. I don't think, I think it was maybe Virginia's governor or one of the governors who did blackface and then tried to apologize and the whole, yeah. and in my mind, I think it's, you know, kind of the idea that you, you, I guess you as a person, maybe you can't grow or change your opinion um, and say you, you've kind of made yourself, you know, whole, um, that, you know, rather a lot of people say you can't do that. They were rather like Devin said, cancel you because of those actions in the past. That, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, America's not giving people an opportunity to forgive and grow, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So the best way I can, I guess, describe how I feel about it is 
Um, I look at uh, cancel culture almost exactly as I look at uh, police brutality. So when you look at it, who's it really affecting? It, it, it affects people on the street, on the street level. It doesn't affect people with power or money or fame as much. We're talking about police brutality. Cancellation kind of works the same way. When you look at anybody who's been canceled, that's very, very rich, very famous or very powerful. It's like who, who, in my, and I'm and I'm genuinely wondering because I maybe miss something other people know about, and I wish that I could like open it up to like a full floor of people of your listeners, so that way somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. But who that like did not commit a criminal act is now not able to work. Like like if you if you think about that, it's like it's like okay, Harvey Weinstein's like, well, he did stuff. Yeah, you know I mean, like like you, anyone who did something and had numbers, of course they went down. And of, and and you know, you people can call it a winch, witch hunt. That's a defense attorney's narrative. Um, I'm asking who that you know maybe has something in the past. Some of that, to my knowledge, Ralph Northam is still in office, and. You know, to my knowledge, Kevin Hart is still the top grossing, uh, top selling comedian in the world. So, you know, I, I I think that one thing that happens is that we love to see someone fall as much as we love to see them rise. And we love to create those those ups and downs ourselves as fans. And so I think what's happening to Kevin or what happened to him in a sense was, you know, he got big enough now where now it's like cool to hate on him for some reason. And then on top of that. You know, he he had this old thing. People. I understand what you're saying, Adrian, about the growth thing, because that is part of it. So one of the, one of the things that happens is that people like to keep their memory of their behavior very recent. But uh, if and, and if I can correct, I think the only thing Kevin was apologizing for and the only thing people were really coming at him for were the tweets. I feel like the jokes from the special were then used as fodder to be like, see, he means it, which is just a misinterpretation of a joke. And even, and, you know, and and so while people while people were coming at him with everything he ever said, I think he was only really apologizing for the tweets because that's the only thing that out of context looks like horrible, horrible, horrible. And like he means it. If you're doing your stand up special, it's like kind of implied that like all of these things are jokes. It's like why it's an hour comedy special. But I, I think that for the most part, there is a bit of misremembering how the past was, because when Kevin made those jokes, nobody was was in any way particularly kind or gracious towards the LGBT community. Like like people were still saying like wretched things openly on hot mics on purpose. So so to grab Kevin feels a little bit. I'll give you an example. Uh, And I'm not and I'm not one of those people that like just hates on people or anything. So I'm not saying this as if oh she's so bad. But like you know, at the same time that Kevin tweeted those things, Hillary Clinton had a very different view about what marriage was. So it's 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 interesting that we can forgive and ultimately attempt to elect Hillary for having worldviews that actively affect the LGBT community. But then Kevin is like the monster for a thing that he tweeted, apologized for. And then apologize for again. It just seems like a little bit disingenuous. And it's one of the easiest things to do to outrage at the thing that you know you'll get the reaction from or you know is just easier. It's 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 why they, they don't hold protests at the person's house that did the thing. Because it's like, oh, guys, he doesn't care. That person doesn't care that he did it. We're going to go protest somewhere else so we can sort of preach to the choir and yell and kind of yell at people who agree with us. So I would just say I look at the same way that uh, police brutality is very real and some people think it's not real. The people who think it's not real aren't directly affected by it. So that's one of the reasons they're saying it's not real because they haven't seen it and they haven't they haven't even when they've seen it, seen the, the, the depths to which it goes. 
but then look at who's affected by it. And cancel culture works the same way. The people who I'm worried about getting canceled are regular people, because when a regular person tweets a racist thing or a sexist thing or a homophobic thing or whatever, and the whole Internet knows them for that one moment, that person's life actually gets ruined for real. Like that, like that person loses their job and then can't find other jobs because your job Googles you before they hire you. And like that person is like is like ruined. And hey, I'm not even arguing with the people doing it. Sometimes maybe it's appropriately so because sometimes there are things that are terrible but not illegal. And so the Internet decides to carry out some sort of vigilante justice, whatever. I'm not I'm not in into whether it's good or bad. I'm just saying what's happening. And what's happening is like on the ground, people who get, quote unquote, canceled actually get their lives ruined and then forgotten about. Where's the dude that killed the lion? Remember that dude that shot the lion? Because they threw bricks through that dude's that that dude's dentist yeah. office, and they threw bricks <clears throat> through it every time he tried to open up again. That dude, maybe he's okay now because it's been years. But there's somebody who I just said, "Where's to do with the lion?" and they just got mad all over yeah. again. Because the other thing that the internet does is that anything you come across on the internet is happening presently in front of you right now. So even if something is old, it's like it's like if you, you know, not to make everything a dating analogy, but it's like if you were dating somebody and then you got married and then you were married for 30 years. Right. And then after 30 years, they're like, hey, just so you know, I've, I've been holding on to it for a while. But just so you know, uh, the night before we got married, I cheated on you. You'd be like, what? Now, it was a long time ago. It was 30 years ago. Yeah. But for you, it's happening right now. And that's what the Internet is. When you see someone's tweet, no matter how much they've evolved in real time, in real life, you're seeing this tweet in front of you now like they just tweeted it because it's it's new to you and you're experiencing it for the first time. So in some respects, I do get some of the outrage people have because you can't you don't know people personally. You don't know the growth that they've had. Like, I understand that, especially as someone you know, let's say you're someone in the world who isn't even a comedy fan. So then the first experience you have, I don't know how, because he's everywhere, but the first experience you have with Kevin Hart is those tweets. Of course, yeah. you're going to be like, I don't want to see this dude do stuff uh, uh, in front of me again, like, whatever. Now, that's a very specific and I'm I'm giving a lot of credit that that person would be being genuine. But that is an outcome you can have. Whereas what Cat Williams is saying is, I think, closer to the thing I'm saying of like, as we evolve, it's okay to. I think that one of the best things that jokes do is they put up a lens at the society you live in at the time. Right. So, for instance, I don't know about you, but I don't think blackface was ever funny. But there was a time where people definitely found it funny. And the time that people found it funny said a lot about society at that time. So I'll even say this. I'll even extend an olive branch this far. I'm not going to get mad at the person doing blackface in that moment, that vaudeville 1920s comedian getting up there and doing blackface. I'm mad that like this many people find this characterization of an entire people that they deal with every day that funny. And I and and so comedians put up lenses. And so it's like, if you don't like Kevin's jokes, well, let's let's be honest about things. How were gay people being treated in the early aughts and how are they being treated in the 2010s? Like how like like how was it? Because you see Kevin doing any of those jokes. People are laughing. Why are they laughing? Is it because they agree or because they're having a good time or like are there gay people laughing? Are that you know what I mean? So you have to look at things with with context and, and be be honest with yourself and about the place that the world was in because i think a lot of cancellation and all that other stuff is about virtue signaling that like i've never been that bad and it's like look we were all in junior high so we were all pretty bad at one point we all said we all said <laughs> things for shock value we all like we're all in this and we want to act like we're not but it we are and so as far as cancellation goes i that's how I feel about it. I look at it in the same lens that I look at other social issues that only affect the people who don't have the resources to get away from them. Because there are some people, there's some celebrities that get, you know, whatever version of canceled they want to call themselves. And then they go to uh, like Peru for a year and then they come back after everybody's forgotten. Regular people can't do that. Regular people got to live. They got to eat and they got to live with the only instance of people getting a glimpse of who they are is this moment, a slip in judgment or them at their worst, or maybe that's who they are and they deserve it. I'm not saying 
everybody who's ever been called out is is not worthy of it. But I also think that on the side of people in fear of cancellation, I think a lot of people call criticism cancellation now. People can criticize you yeah. and then move on. That's not canceling you. And maybe you're the, you know, to quote Charlemagne, it's like maybe you're the donkey of the day for something that you did that's just undeniably dumb. You're not being canceled. You're like people are commenting on this thing that you did that they thought was dumb or that they didn't like. Depending on how quickly people move on, I think delves into whether you're being like canceled or not. You know, like, did you lose something? Because if you lost something, then I think that yeah, you, we can start a conversation about being canceled. As far as how it makes me approach comedy, I don't really worry about it as much because I think that as long as you are incredibly clear and precise in your in your wording and your message, anyone who gets offended after that, you know, maybe they genuinely don't like the joke and that's that's every person's prerogative to not like what I'm saying. But I think that I put so much thought and work into my jokes and what I'm talking about that by the time I offend someone, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I I know that they truly are either intentionally misunderstanding or they just didn't get the joke. Because even if a joke doesn't make you laugh, if you can understand it, you can understand the humor behind it. And and I'm not I'm not trying to sound like I think I'm, you know. The, the like the hottest thing in the world but i but i'm good enough at this at this point to not mess, misrepresent what i'm saying when i say it and and if i am then maybe i'm working on the joke but if i'm putting something up for consumption and it's done in my mind i don't think i worry about any sort of cancellation for jokes especially because one it's a joke and then two, what what was I trying to say and what was I trying to do? There's plenty of people who I guess you could say get like e- even on a local level canceled for their jokes, but it's like, well, what were you what were you saying? Like were you truly going after people to be terrible? Because people might just not like that. And that's I wouldn't even call that cancellation. That's just you not being funny to the people you're in front of. Maybe if you do it in front of some other people, they'll find it very funny. And that's that's how niche comedy is like you. You can't worry about that stuff or else you won't make good art and you won't try anything like that. Like I I do see a lot of comedians paralyzed by that fear and I just don't have it. Not because I'm necessarily squeaky clean or anything, but just because it's like by the time I decide to talk about something, I've thought about it so much that I've exhausted it. And even if the joke isn't perfect, even if my message isn't isn't like put out there i think you know i i really did my best and that's all that you can do and and all of this stuff all all status and all like fame money all all power is is temporary so no almost no matter the means that you lose it you're gonna lose it so maybe some people feel like they lost it because they got canceled and it's like well there was gonna come a day where you weren't popping for some reason you know like like we've all we've all seen people who especially in comedy we've seen people who in my opinion have kind of like a hacky act where they just like trash like whether it's trashing certain groups or just relying on old premises the whole time we've all seen that and and no matter how popping they are it's like your day's going to come now maybe it comes because a bunch of people got hot twitter fingers and are like oh this sexist pig whatever or maybe it just beca- comes because we don't enjoy every by every decade. We don't enjoy the same jokes. That's why the only comedians who have lasting power are the people either saying something powerful enough to permeate through time or people who are adaptable in their message to what to the way that people can receive it. And so, you know, all that other stuff is like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you can't, you know, get up there and just say bitches the whole time it's like all right like like there are going to be women that don't find that funny you're not being canceled just like adjust or like say three less bitches and you might you might have a great show you know like i i can't pretend to know all of the ins and outs of comedy but i see some of the people who are in fear of being canceled or in fear of doing jokes that offend or say they can't talk about certain topics 
some of them lack the the nuance to make those takes interesting and then some of them are being disingenuous and they want to go back to like the old 90s days of of just being like this guy's gay right <laughs> and then that killing so so it's like that was hot in the 90s and it's just not now and you can't blame us that you're 20 years older like that like that's that's wild like what what was funny in 99 might still be funny you know i watch i watch for instance i think that not necessarily the way he says everything but the content that mike epps has in um in underrated but never faded i think that will always be funny and he's not making like deep chappelle esque points but there's just always gonna be something funny about a dude that like you know tried to rob this gas station and then and then like got home and forgot he locked himself out it's like it's like there's there's goofy stuff like that that will always in some way be funny and i think that um the last thing I'll say about it is that I think that some people want all of the praise of getting political and none of the criticism. Because I think that some people are way more political than they even realize they are by how they – by the stances they take and what they say and what they talk about. And they only want people to come up and be like, man, I love what you said up there. But they don't want anybody to be like, well, if you if you read a book, maybe – you'd uh have like come to a different conclusion it's like people are allowed to not like whatever i make i'm not i'm not the end all be all of entertainment so i make things that i think people will like i test it out in front of people and they seem to like it and then that's what i put out for mass consumption so you know i i all these things are just a product of of the time there are plenty of disingenuous people that i will say the the olive branch that i'll extend before i stop talking is that there are plenty of disingenuous people out there trying to make your day worse and trying hard to misunderstand your joke or your actions. So I'm not saying that nobody can twist something and get you in quote unquote, like, you know, Twitter trouble. But I think those people are far fewer than we realize. And I think we let like 10% of uh, Twitter dictate 90% of the conversation. You're right. Social media is too powerful. And, you know, Josh, you, you said um, some interesting things. I really hope our listeners were able to grasp a lot of that, because I think that um, one of the things that really stood out to me is just how, um, how how you all as comedians just really use the time to paint the picture of what society might need to focus on. But you do it in and in through jokes. And that's not necessarily say that you should be canceled because of that. But maybe that, you know, that hatred that people have and they for wanting to cancel you, that should be directed, you know, towards the police brutality or or towards the people who have these stances towards, you know, the LGBTQ community. So I I really love that part um, because I I think that whenever you talk about cancel culture in that way, it's like, you know, we're almost sometimes we're falsely placing it. But also it does have a purpose within our society. It's just almost misdirected. So that was that was one thing I really, really liked that you said there. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. But the last thing um, on the on the the Kevin Hart thing, a lot of people spent all of their energy and all of their time talking about and like uh, bashing Kevin. And that didn't help one single queer person at all. So if you ever see something that you that that pisses you off that much or that you think is is making the world a worse place, instead of just like yelling out into the void at it, find someone, if, if you know, what what could have been a good use of that, honestly, in, in my opinion, is, OK, let's say I'm, you know, I'm someone who doesn't know or do anything with comedy and I saw the Kevin thing and I'm upset and I don't know he already apologized or whatever, right? Let's say that's who I am. Instead of just like tweeting out to my 200 followers that Kevin isn't, isn't funny or mean or whatever, hype up somebody that you think is making comedy and the world a better place. There's, pr- there's plenty of funny queer comics that you could hype up instead of just spending all day talking trash about Kevin and that lifts people up as opposed to just being negative and just making 
the world worse. You know, it's like there's so many people that could have benefited from from, you know, the outcome of, of, of that and all that energy that went into it and nothing happened. It was just this void. It was like, well, we're, we're a powerful bunch because he didn't get to host the Oscars. And it's like, all right, did that help anybody that, that you say you, you stand to defend or, 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 or you're in support of? I don't think it did. I think that it would have made things a bit better if you had been like, Hey, this comic, this comic and this comic, are phenomenal um instead of trashing kevin for 15 minutes watch 15 minutes of their stand-up now we're in a better place you know or yeah or ask for a different host you know who is of the community there's a, a million different ways that that you know that whole situation could have gone um but I, i'm you know i'm in, in, in total agreement you know that there's different ways we can direct that energy you know, from it just becoming this pile on effect. And man, I think people do it because it's easy. You know, it's people, cool. To, yeah. To, you know, people also don't feel special. So people don't don't realize that. Sure. You're only tweeting one thing, but now you're one of a hundred thousand people. It's like yeah. and that and like, you know, I'm not I, the the real effects of, of that are enough to like, honestly, a stronger person or a more uh, like centered person can handle it. Other people can't. They're yeah. like we we don't talk about it a lot because it makes the masses feel bad. Because because to a certain degree, I guess everyone is participating in. It. But like stuff like that makes people kill themselves. Like stuff like that sends people into deep depression. So it's like it's like really think about. I don't really get in any beefs with people, and it's not because I don't have problems with people. It's just like online is not the place to handle it. Like 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 we're gonna have a conversation when I see you. Or I'm just gonna ignore you and you're you're done I'm you're done. I'm not I'm not engaging with you anymore. And I think that that, that on, doesn't only make me feel healthier as a person as as far as mentally, but also like I have less problems. I don't I don't have as many problems as some of these like comics out here getting into it with people all the time. Like you know, it's just like it, I I told the joke. And you didn't like the joke and the people in the clip like the joke. So I guess those are my people and you're not. I, I guess that that's how that works, you know. And that's not to say I can't improve or I can't learn from something. I always welcome people. If I'm really saying something terrible, let me know. Like that, like I don't want to just be saying terrible things. It's like if I really didn't know, then like hit me up. I'm always open to, to learn and, and adapt and, and change things. But if you're just like, it depends on how you come at people, you know, that makes sense. I mean, I, I agree. There's there's a right way to do things um, to get your message across so that it's actually you know received, because if it's not received, there's no point in you shouting it out because you're just shouting to a brick wall. But listeners, what we're going to do, we're going to take another break so we can get into our third segment here. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Every time I go to You have been listening to the Black Agenda podcast hosted by Adrian Guess and Devin Dito. If you enjoy listening to the show, let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcast or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda pod and give a few dollars. After all, the Black Agenda podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners. So as always, we like to end the show with giving you a look forward as to what is upcoming. And so after today, uh, coming up this Saturday on October 16th, it'll be weekly roundup number 18. Uh, we'll be talking to you again and more about some some news from the past week, some breaking news, some interesting news, maybe even some funny news sprinkled in there. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. It's this upcoming Saturday, October 16th. That'll be weekly roundup number 18. And then coming after that, the following Tuesday, again, we've promoted before. We just want to let you know it is coming. It is our uh, our minority civic engagement episode. And this time we're going to be joined by Miss Melanie Campbell, who is the president and CEO of the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation. We're going to be discussing with her on how to be more engaged in our democracy 
and in and out of election season. So as you know, midterms are coming up next year. So we got to be involved in, in getting involved in the decisions that are made in our neighborhoods. And Melanie is going to talk with us about how we can do that. So make sure you tune in for that. That's coming up uh, next Tuesday. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. We'll, we'll be putting some promos out about it so you can't miss it. Um, and so before we go, we also like to let you know you can help us out not only by listening and downloading the podcast, but you can donate to us and agents going to let you know how you can do that. Absolutely. We'd really, really appreciate those donations. The easiest thing to do is go to our website, blackagendapie.com and click the donate tab. If you're listening in the Podbean app, there's also a donate button directly in the app that you can click on to. Once you get in there, you'll realize that there are different levels of donations where you also get gifts from us like shout outs. You can, uh, you can get some show suggestions. You can even be on our show. So it'd be really, really great if you do that. And we always tell you the reason why we're doing, uh, why you should do that is because Devin and I want to do some great things with our podcast and take it to something else. We'd really love to have an organization. Um, you know, have a movement behind it where we can maybe help the, you know, the LGBT community, whatever movement we want to support. Um, we can't do that without money, though. And, you know, that's just how it is. It takes money to make good ideas in America happen. So we need your help doing that. But like I said, go to our website, com, click the donate tab and start giving. The other thing, uh, while you're charitable, we're going to you know point your attention to another charity, uh, Race Forward, really, really good charity. They conduct original and broadly accessible research on pressing racial justice issues. Their research is focused on the ways institutional and structural racism leads to inequitable social and economic outcomes. They work to build movements, building racial justice in partnership with communities, organizations, and sectors. They build strategies to advance racial justice in our policies, institutions, and culture. Race Forward imagines a just, multiracial, democratic society free from oppression and exploitation in which people of color thrive with power and purpose. So go check them out, um, but check us out, give, and then if you got some extra, consider giving to them. That's exactly right. Make sure you check them out and us as well. We will both appreciate any of your donations and monies. Um, but before we go, we also would appreciate if you went and followed us on social media. So you can find us. Our handle is at Black Agenda Pod. And again, that's at Black Agenda Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, our handle is at BlackAgendaPod.com. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, open it up, type in the search bar, The Black Agenda Podcast, and you will find me and Adrian speaking with all sorts of experts. I think we have somewhere around maybe 50 videos and conversations. Uh, topics range from, you know, uh, critical race theory to black history to I think we have 10 interviews with HBCU administrators and presidents, all incredibly interesting uh, content. So make sure you go back and look into our past catalog there. Um, and again, we'll be back with you uh, Saturday for weekly roundup number 18. And then back again with our regular uh, scheduled episode, which is all about civic engagement featuring Melanie Campbell, uh, who is the president and CEO of the national coalition on black civic participation. So make sure you tune in for those. And until then, we'll catch you next time. Oh,